So we continue this series of sermons today, today uh, on what we've called, um, what is the title of the sermon series? I can't even remember. <laughs> oh, that's the sermon uh, today. But what's the sermon series? Calls and gifts. Whatever it may be, here's the point. And we, here's what we hear, hope you've heard loud and clear. God loves you with this incredible and unconditional love that's always constant. And he has gifted you and called you to service. There's no doubt that when we receive the call of Christ in our life, part of that call is to serve and to make a difference in the world. And God calls you to do that, but that's not all. God also gifts you and equips you to make a difference in the lives of other people. So that's the main point of this series this week. And we've taken, a, or this couple months, and we've taken a look at, you know, how God equips us. One of the ways is he gives us spiritual gifts, these gifts of the Holy Spirit that are supernatural, that uh, help us to, to make a difference. Here's another thing that God uses in our lives. God uses our experiences. And oftentimes, what God uses most is our painful experiences. Just what, like what Darren just sang about, by the way, beautiful piece, Steve, wherever you are, and Darren. Uh, God uses our weaknesses more than our strengths. He uses those, those wounds in our life and lives to minister to others. And thus, this, the title of the sermon today, Wounded Healers. God takes the wounds of our lives, and we all have those wounds, don't we? I mean, one of the common parts of the human experience is that, is that we will all go through affliction. We will all have pain in our lives. But here's what's great about being one of God's chosen children. Those are never wasted. God it, it gives us purpose in our suffering. And we'll talk about that more today. But this is what we're going to talk about today. How does God use, how can God use the wounds of our lives to make a difference in the lives of others? So let me read the scripture. If you've never heard the scripture, it's a powerful uh, scripture from 1 Corinth, or 2 Corinthians, verse, verses 1, 3 through 5. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our troubles, so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves receive from God. For just as we share abundantly in the sufferings of Christ, so also our comfort abounds through Christ. Let's pray together. God, we pray that you would speak to us a very clear word this morning, that it would just not be information, but that somehow you would use your word and the meditations of my heart to transform us and to prompt us to take another step forward in our walk with you. For we pray these things in Christ's name. Amen. So I think you have to pay attention when the Apostle Paul says something about suffering. 
For he suffered greatly in his life. In fact, this 2 Corinthians is so much about Paul's afflictions and what he's going through as he leads the churches, the early church. In a future chapter, he lists all the things that he has been through as an apostle. He's been shipwrecked. He's been beaten. He's been stoned. He's been imprisoned. He's been slandered. He has suffered through spiritual depression and discouragement. This list is quite a list. So if you're feeling bad about something today, just go ahead and read that list, and then you'll feel pretty good. <laughs> and so he talks about his suffering in this letter of 2 Corinthians. And so much, um, he wasn't sure that he, is, he and his companions we're going to make it. And we're not sure exactly what he was going through at this particular time. The word for troubles uh, is really afflictions. It can mean, it's kind of a general word for, for trials and persecution and injury. But he lists all these things that he's been through and persevered through. And so when Paul writes, you listen because it comes from deep experience. And so this scripture for us this morning is really a powerful scripture. And it speaks to us of such experiences in life. It calls such experiences troubles, or in other translations, afflictions. And this passage makes two really great promises. In fact, I think these are Two of the great promises of the Christian faith. Here's the first one. God promises to comfort us when we are in trouble. When we experience affliction in our lives, God promises to comfort us. Now note that God never promises us a life free of problems or troubles. Boy, I think if you think life is supposed to be tree free of troubles, and, and good luck with that. Because <laughs> we've all experienced them. And I think of uh, Scott Peck's great book, The Road Less Traveled. I think one of the first sentences is, life is difficult. <laughs> and we, when we come to accept that life is going to be difficult, life becomes much better. Because that's reality. So... The great promise is that God is going to comfort us in these troubles. Listen again to the word, words of the passage. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort. Now Paul refers to God as the Father of compassion. And compassion means this, this feeling of deep sympathy for one who has suffered misfortune. Wow, that, that tells us a lot about who God is. By God's very nature, God is compassionate. He's empathetic. Psalm 103 is just one of my, my favorite psalms. And Boy, if you're going through hard times and you need encouragement about who God is, just meditate on that psalm. 
But one of the great lines in that psalm is this, the Lord is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger, abounding, full of love. That's who God is. And God has compassion. He has sympathy. He understands. He hurts with us. When we go through tough times in life, gentle with us, not just understands, but feels. This is truly one of the beautiful things about the Christian faith. God understands us. He feels what we feel. He, he knows what we feel. In fact, this is, you see this in the incarnation, which C.S. Lewis calls the grand miracle. I mean, if you can believe in the incarnation that this great big God of, of all of creation, of all time and place, becomes a person, you can believe all the, the other miracles are easy after that one. Correct? But the beauty of the incarnation is that Christ has come to earth and put on skin. He knows what this life is like. He knows the pains, the misfortunes, the vicissitudes of life. He experienced it. God is not a distant God in the Christian faith, but a God who is rather entered into this world of pain and messiness and become one of us. Brennan Manning was a, a, a Catholic, well, a defrocked Catholic priest who had a, an amazing way of communicating the love and the grace of God. And he, he wrote this. He said, do you know what makes Jesus the greatest lover in history? He knows what hurts us the loves, the hates, insecurities, hopes, and fears. The risen Jesus is not this vague figure in outer space. His resurrection did not remove him from us. It simply makes it possible for him to touch us, to touch not only Nazareth, but us. He understands and cares. He's with us. Emmanuel. He knows and seeks us out. Whatever our kind of poverty and pain, wherever we feel unloved, whatever that part is in our lives. I love that last line. He knows and seeks us out, whatever our kind of poverty and pain, wherever we feel unloved. I want to make a point about this. It doesn't matter whether our pain to God, whether our pain is something that has happened to us or something that we cause by our stupid decisions and our rebellion from God. Either way, God is eager and willing and wants to come alongside of us and be in that pain. God is waiting for us to simply ask for his help, his comfort, his stance toward us. Always, always is open arms, ready to embrace. 
This means that God will comfort us whatever the pain is, is caused by, whether our own stubbornness or rebellion, doesn't matter. God comes to us. Now, I've talked with people before who can't believe this, and they're suffering some kind of distress because of some mistake they made in their life, and sometimes it's their own fault. And they have turned their back on God for years and years and years. Maybe not intentionally, but like we saw in so many of our faith stories this summer, life gets busy. And they wander. And they don't intentionally rebel or leave God. It just happens. And then a crisis happens. And as crises so often do, they make the person aware of their need for God. And sometimes these people will say something like this to me. They, I can't expect God to comfort me now after all that I have done. I mean, how can I expect his compassion and comfort now after this big mess I've gotten myself into? <laughs> well, they may feel this way, but did you hear the promise of this scripture God is a God of compassion and all comfort. And he wants to comfort us in the difficult times of life. He wants to help us through them and strengthen us when we feel like we have come to the end of our, of our own resources. And I'll say this probably three or four times a year, but God's address is at the end of our ropes. <laughs> And I believe that so strongly. That when we come to the end of our own resources, oh, that's where God can meet us and wants to meet us and strengthen us, encourage us. You know, this is really what the word comfort means. It, we so often think of comfort as just kind of a, a sentimental sort of thing or macaroni and cheese, <laughs> or southern comfort. <laughs> My comfort food, by the way, is In-N-Out Burger. <laughs> I grew up a couple miles from the original In-N-Out Burger, and when I'm down, I'll just go have an In-N-Out Burger and life turns around. <laughs> but our English word for comfort, did you know this, comes from the Latin root forte which means strength and courage. And you attach the word cum to that, which means with, and we get the sense that comfort really means with courage, with strength. In fact, you know that great Reformation hymn, uh, Mighty Fortress is Our God? Really, the best translation is a mighty comfort is our God. A mighty comfort is our God. So comfort, really in the biblical sense, and what Paul's talking about here, is something that gives us hope and courage. It gives us strength to keep moving forward. Even when we're, you know, we're out of resources, God meets us and helps us to move on. To start all over again. That is the gospel. 
So how do we experience this comfort? Well, sometimes it's just a sense of, this is not easy to explain, but if you've been there, you know. It's inner strength. It's sometimes a peace. It's a ministry, a mystery, mysterious ministry of the Holy Spirit. We get the sense that, that God is with us. We are, are not alone. I preached a sermon one, one time on hope and trials and getting through them. And one of my very best friends, one of our neighbors, actually, who became like a grandmother, really, to our kids as they were growing up. She came to me and she said, Steve, you know, I, I, when you talk about God using trials and, and when you talk about God comforting us through difficult times, she said, I have to say, and this wasn't complaining in any stretch, but she said, I have, I've had such a charmed life. And part of it was her view of life. She had been through hard things, but she took them in stride. But she said, I really haven't had anything really difficult in life. I've had financial resources. My kids have been, you know, they've given me problems, but they're good kids. You know, all those things that can, that Health has been good. All those things that can cause us trouble in life. A good marriage. It was a few months later I got a call. Jan's in the hospital in trauma care. She was riding her bike up at Lake Almanor and, and on a bike path and there was a, a route with her daughter-in-law. She was riding with her daughter-in-law. There was a route that had lifted the, the concrete and she hit that route and it sent her off and she hit she hit her head, landed straight into a big rock. So I went and visited her. She had been airlifted down to Chico. I went to visit her in, in trauma, got in there, because I knew half the staff. And there she was, completely paralyzed from the neck down. Wow, it was a, just one of those experiences you never forget. She slowly healed. And a few weeks later, I visited her in rehab. And I, I saw her many times, but I remember this one time. She said, Steve, you know, it is the, it's such a weird thing. Late at night, I, I can't really sleep because I've just been laying here in bed all day. And everything's quiet, and I feel this peace of God. And I feel the presence of God, like a a tangible presence here with me, a comfort, a strength, and a hope that all things are going to be okay. And she said, I found this funny old station on, on the radio that I play at night. They just play the old hymns. <laughs> all those old great hymns. Ah, oh, it just brings me so much comfort. That is the, the mystery of the presence of God and the comfort of God. When we go through difficult things. So sometimes it's, it's this mysterious thing. Spiritual presence of God, comfort. But here's how we most often experience God's comfort. You know how it is? Through others. It's through our brothers and sisters in Christ. Through our friends. A few weeks later, I... I had a session meeting. That's our board of elders meeting. And Jan was on the board. And so I, I said at the end of the meeting, 
let's go see Janet rehab. <laughs> you know, all 20 of us. We had a long meeting that night, which was kind of ordinary. And we all went over to the rehab and waited out in front. And then in together, I, I knocked on her door. Jan, you wait. You better be. And we all went in and, ah. Oh, we surrounded her bed and we prayed for her and we loved her. And, you know, these were friends that she had known for years. Do you think that brought strength and comfort and hope? That's the other way God comforts us. I would say the primary way is through all of us. Remember the priesthood of all believers caring for each other, loving each other. God will use our suffering. Here's the second great promise. First, God comforts us. Second is God will use our suffering. Those things that we have been through in life, our pain, our woundedness, in a powerful way if we allow him to do so. I'm going to read it one more time. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of all compassion and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in our afflictions, in our troubles, so that, and here it is, so that we can take that comfort, which is a big supply of comfort, and we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves have received from God. This is so much Christianity. God gives to us and then says, now you go give. God blesses so that we can go bless. God calls us always to give away what we have been given. So these verses say, give away that comfort that you experienced don't just keep it. Here's something very interesting. You know what? We often ask the question, what is God's answer to suffering? What is it? It's you and me. That's God's answer to suffering. God's answer is us. And it's something God calls each one of us to do. And this is the second great promise of the scripture. And I, I want us not to miss the good news here. This means that our suffering is never in vain. I think that would be very hard to go through difficult things in life, to go through suffering and not see any good from it. Now, I'm not saying the suffering is good. It's hard. But God can bring good out of that suffering. Right? Gives us hope. God can take any experience in our lives, even those experiences that are a result of our bad choices, and bring good out of them. He redeems everything. Our difficult times in life are never meaningless. God in God's grace 
can use them in a big way. It makes so much sense, doesn't it? It's such a great strategy. Way to go, God. Good strategy. We comfort others with the comfort that we have received at some point in our life. This is so true, isn't it? I never knew what the pain of losing a father was until I lost my father (laughs) or my mother. I never knew what it was like to have a child who really lost five years of his life due to Lyme disease. Best years of his life, you know, early 20s. Never knew what it was like to have a son who was so depressed because of that. Boy, that wound is deep. There were days I wasn't sure we were going to make it. But boy, when I talk to someone now who has a kid going through a hard time, it's right there. You know, I heard someone say once that the most powerful words in our language are two very simple words, me too. (laughs) Something about it, isn't it? That when we're talking to someone and we know that they have gone through and got through the other side of something that we are now experiencing, wow, it, it brings hope to them. You mean you can make it through? Yeah, you can make it through. This is why uh, recovery ministries are so effective. Divorce recovery, grief recovery, addiction, any, any kind of recovery ministries, it's because you're with people who have experienced firsthand what you are experiencing. Remember, I, I, I had a young woman in one of my churches who oh, just got you know, addicted to drugs. It was a very high-powered executive in Silicon Valley, and just the pressure of all that. Her, she and her friends would go out after work and, and start drinking just to relieve some pressure, have some fun. One thing led to another. She got very addicted to drugs. Cost her her marriage. And it was, it was about to cost her her little girl. And I remember going to the rehab place and talking to her. Sitting on the steps. I, I still remember the beautiful California fall day. Sitting on those steps. The brilliant sunshine. Blue sky. She said, you know, how can I believe that God loves me? I can't even stand myself right now. I said, God loves you. And you know what? You need to meet some friends in the church who have been through what you've been through and have come through the other side. So I took her to Cindy and to Pat, and they walked with her. They could minister to her in ways I never could. The wounded healers. Boy, we had a ministry in the church where if you lost a child, you were a mom and you lost a child. I can feel that pain, but boy, these women over here, they feel the pain. People would drive two or three hours to come to that support group. Not led by a pastor, led by two women who had lost their children tragically. 
Friends, there are a lot of hurting people in the world. And I just kind of assume every time I meet someone, they're going through something difficult in their life. And we, as wounded healers, can make a difference and bring hope and love and care. So as I close this today, I want to ask just two questions. You know, are, are you going through some kind of affliction, difficulty in life right now? Do you need to experience the comfort, the strength, the courage of God? And let me encourage you to open your heart up to God. Ask God to give you strength and hope and comfort. And the scripture promises that God will do that. But remember... God's comfort may come through another person and you may need to take a step of faith, step out of your comfort zone a bit and allow someone else to be the vessel of God's love and comfort. Second question I want to ask, can God use you to bring comfort to someone else? Can you think of someone right now it's going through something that maybe you have gone through that God could use you to bring comfort and hope. Or maybe, maybe, now this is a big one. Maybe God's calling you to lead one of these ministries. A recovery group for whatever it's been that you've been through to help others walk through. Pray. That's all I ask. Be open. Let's pray together. God, we thank you for these great promises that you have made to us. That you will be with us, that you will never depart from us, that you are the God of all comfort and all compassion. And God, we thank you that you want to use us in this world to make a difference in the lives of others and that you just don't want to use us, but that you promise you will be with us and equip us and through your Holy Spirit minister in ways that we could never do on our own power. So God, help us as a church to be a church of wounded healers who care for one another, love each other in the way that we have been loved. We pray these things in Christ's name. Amen.